Welcome to season two of Living Fullness, a podcast where two friends explore what it means to live out the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And my name is Father Sean Burns. And every week we look more closely at deepening friendships, intentional relationships, growth in virtue, and nurturing our spiritual lives. We hope by sharing our learning, reflections, and experiences, this podcast will serve you in living your life to the full. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Living Fullness. How are you going this week, Padre? Well, thank you and yourself. Doing well. Uh, so, what have you been up to? Oh, it's Wedding Central over here. Like, oh, well. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody's getting married. Yes, 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 of course. So, it's awesome. But, man, there's a lot to yeah, also like yeah. think of and coordinate and Absolutely. engagement parties and bridal showers and... Yep. Woo. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's all happening. Yep. It's all happening. And Absolutely. outfits, which you won't have a problem of. You wear no, no, I, I, it's, <laughs> it's just a cupboard of black. Uh, so, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. No, look, um, uh, it sounds quite. Um, it's fun, but it's, it's, fun? A lot. it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Over- overwhelming at any point? or Oh, it's not overwhelming. Overwhelm- I'm sure the brides are probably going to feel probably like overwhelmed. Probably overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, 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 sure. It's not overwhelming yeah. to be at the front of a bride, though. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. What about you, Padre? What's been happening with you? Well, uh, I, I was very. Uh, fortunate to be invited out to tea at one of the Narendra's local restaurants with a few of our parishioners. Who? You just got to catch up and and I got to hear some of their story and it was uh, it was really really nice. So yeah, just a nice little way to catch up. I've been trying to make my way around parishioners and and um, and now that I'm 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 sort of leaving the yeah. place, I'm doubly. I know there's a few parishioners in this year that I haven't gotten around to, and so I'm oh, like, okay, sure. I need to get around to these guys. So yeah. I'm, I'm doubling down on the visitation to get around to as many people as yeah. I can between now and... and Are you saying farewells yet or is it still a bit early? Nah, nah I just... Uh, not, 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 not too early for farewells. So yeah, at this stage okay. I'm... Um, oh, well, that's all right yeah, then. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh. But just trying to get around so I can say yeah, I've visited... I've visited everyone in the parish. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So today, what, what are we doing today? Oh yeah, today we're continuing yeah. on with the book study. Yes. Uh, Men and Women Are From Eden by Mary Healy. Uh, and so we are on to chapters four, five, and six for this episode. All right, starting with chapter four. Here we go. I'm first up. There we are. Uh, so, so in chapter four, one of the things that Mary talks about is eros. And when we hear about eros, we normally think about, oh, that sounds like erotic. And the reason it sounds like erotic is because that's where our English word erotic comes from. Eros is a Greek word. It means a love which seeks communion. Uh, and and Mary Healy makes the point that. Eros, as a love, a human love which seeks communion, must be agape. That divine love must be sort of, uh, it, it must raise Eros, not eliminate Eros, no. mm-hmm. but raise mm-hmm. Eros and, and transform Eros so that it seeks communion uh, with another person, firstly with God and with others, in a way which always recognises the beauty of the other person in a way which always recognises the the reality that this other person is made in the image and likeness of God uh, and, and so that the communion that I seek with them is never a self-serving communion uh, but a communion which is which is mutual and reciprocated which is which is self-giving and also receiving and it's 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 beautiful right mm. this is genuine communion mm. um, so that's 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 what Mary is, is is really sort of hitting at there when she talks about eros and and it's sort of course that I recently taught at the seminary, mm-hmm. uh, we were speaking about Benedict the Sixteenth and 
Deus Caritas Est, his first encyclical, God is Love. Mm-hmm. And he talks about Eros in that. And he says that, that Eros must be agaped. And he actually talks about God's love as being erotic. Which, 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 I mean, people, like, people have just heard me say that and they're like, What? You said what? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, Father, yeah. how could you? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Be chill. Yeah. Be chill. Let's not forget he is the creator he of love. He is the creator of he love, is exactly. Love. <laughs> if, if my love, if I have Eros, guess what? God is the giver, the creator of love. Any love that I have is a reflection of, 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 of God's own love. Yes. Therefore, uh, he also has an erotic love. A- an erotic in the right sense, in the real sense of eros, which is a love which seeks communion. And that is the, the whole point of, of, of well, the Bible. You know, it's, it's why so many people say the Bible's a love story from beginning yeah. to end. It's yeah. the story of God's pursuit of his people. In yeah. this sense, it is an erotic love, which is also perfectly agape. Yeah. A love which seeks communion, which is perfectly generous and marvellous and magnificent towards others, you know, and, and this, this, this is the brilliance and beauty of God. Mm. Uh, and, and so for us, our eros, because of our fallen human nature, it must always be agape. It must always have that divine hand on it because if that divine hand isn't on it, mm. then eventually eros, instead of seeking communion with somebody else, instead of seeking communion first with God and then with another, mm. it winds up being sort of kind of a mm. perversion of that love. Uh, so, uh, so, 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 this is why for for, for Mary, um, eros is such an important thing for us to to have transformed in our lives. Mm. So yeah, th- th- there must be a transformation of our of, of, of our erotic love so that it is genuinely erotic. And Mary Healy actually says, if our love is self-centered, it's not actually erotic. No. It's not actually a genuinely erotic love. No. A genuinely erotic love is a love which seeks communion with another, yeah. not a love which turns inward towards oneself in this in this problematic fashion where I become the centre of the universe, right? That's the, the that, that, that's a problematic kind of position. And, and so she makes the point that for Eros to actually be truly erotic, for it to be truly uh, seeking out communion, it must encounter the redemption which God offers. It must be redeemed, mm. transformed, mm, mm. elevated. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and and that that transformation of eros brings us to the the, the question of, of of temperance and purity because that virtue is what we call it a cardinal virtue and even a, a human virtue. Yeah, it also is a virtue that to be lived properly requires God's help and grace. Mm. And this is where it's in that virtue, eros finds the hand of agape. It's, mm, it's, it's in mm, living that mm, virtue mm, with God mm. that Eros finds that hand of agape. So I guess talking a little bit about temperance then, I think we can often think of temperance as the virtue that tells us to cut stuff down, you know, eliminate stuff, get rid of stuff out of our lives. Um, I kind of almost think of it like the party pooper of the virtues. <laughs> like, you know, justice comes in and justice is all love and worship and order and gratitude. It's like, yes, wonderful, good. Prudence is like, there's wisdom here. Let's let's think this through. Let's be considerate. And fortitude is like, yes, okay, this is terrifying, but you know what? We're going to do this. Let's do this. And then temperance comes along and it's just like, no, stop. Just stop. Let's just get rid of this. <laughs> let's not. <laughs> Justice. 
Justice is a sanguine. <laughs> Prudence is a melancholic. <laughs> Fortitude is a choleric. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, all the, te- all the temperaments. Sorry, <laughs> okay, sorry. I know. I know, I know, I know. I was just like. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Pay no attention to what I just said then, but I thought, I, thought I, I, couldn't, I couldn't not. I couldn't not. Sorry. Oh, that's brilliant. We sorry. can make characters out of these. <laughs> that's true. Let's, that's we true. could do that. We could do that. But no, in actual fact, so we, we tend to think of, of temperance as a virtue that just tells us to cut stuff down, to yeah, get rid of stuff, yeah. to, you know, stop doing things. To It's the virtue that, you know, ruins the fun. Yeah. It's the virtue that gets <clears throat> in the way and it's the one that's, you know, we kind of do because we have to, not because we want to. Mm. Um, but that's not what true temperance is. Temperance is actually the virtue of moderation. So, yes, sometimes it means that we do have to reel back on some things if we're doing some things in excess which is good, that's fine. But it also is the virtue that's going to help us to amp things up if we're not doing enough of something yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, It's the virtue that actually helps us to be free from being a workaholic, yep. but also the virtue that's going to help us to be free from being a couch potato. Right. It's the same virtue. Right, absolutely. absolutely. So when we also then talk a little bit about purity then in a similar kind of way, purity of heart, really what that means is being free from anything foreign. That's what pure being pure mm. means. Free from anything foreign from what it, what it is, what it's mm. meant to be. So for us as Christians, we're meant to have hearts that are meant to be pure. And for us, that means pure in the sense of we were made for God. We mm. were made to love him. So our hearts need to be free from anything that is foreign to God, yeah. which includes being in obedience to what he asks of us, both in what he asks us to do and what he asks us not to do. So both is required in order for us to be pure of heart. But more important than what temperance means and what purity means is the fact that these virtues, why why they actually matter, is that they help free us to love wholeheartedly, to love free from anything that stands in the way of. And so while ever we're sort of tied down by, you know, these strong desires of feeling like we need a need, there's a particular need, a feel for a need, which is different to an actual need. It's different to safety, which is an actual need. While ever we have that and we're tied down to these feelings and that being the strongest part of what motivates us, what drives us to do something, we're not actually free to love. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's 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 a really, really good point that when we actually live these virtues in our lives, what are we doing? We're emulating Christ the Lord. You know, so so long as we're not doing it on our own, so long as we're not like, I will make myself virtuous, you know, no, no, best of luck to you, sir, but no. Uh, you know, it's it's it is with God's grace, with his help, through prayer, through reflection, realizing and recognizing, you know, I actually need God's hand in my life. I need to imitate the Lord in in, in his life. And, and, and that actually allows, uh, with that prayer, reflection, and living, it actually allows God's hand to come upon the way that I love. Yeah. Uh, and which, I think, yeah. which is not a separate thing either, because again, if we go back to our hearts were made for God, this was part of our design. Yes. It was never yes. meant to be a separate two and then God will step in. No, God right. was always meant right. to be there. Exactly. It was exactly. always meant to be in it's, participation. It's, it's not meant to be sort of 
just a human area no. and then God sits on top no, of that. It's no. actually the whole thing is meant to have God in it. Yeah, integrated. Yeah, integrated. <laughs> Good word. <clears throat> Benedict the Sixteenth would approve. Yes, I think so. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, yeah, no, very, very, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. So this takes us on then to chapter five, mm. and chapter five is all about complementarity. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, I guess in this in this section, she sort of highlights the complementarity in vocations, and she talks a little bit about marriage, as in spousal union on earth, marriage. But she also talks about celibacy in this particular chapter as well, and she talks about how we actually need both um, on this earth because marriage signifies something, something that is beautiful, and that we need and participate in and are called into but so does celibacy celibacy says says something about the kind of love that we're to anticipate what it will look like what it could look like in heaven which is what we're called for but we need each other to be able to see that here on earth to be able to help strengthen each other motivate each other and to serve one another but i guess the one of the other things she points out is that there we tend to have a bit of a tug of war around that though because sometimes we tend to elevate one over the other like sometimes we can look at marriage and say well marriage has to be it there's no other option celibacy is weird that's like what is that that's unusual unnatural um, unhealthy even and then other times we go no celibacy is the one and all because that's what we're meant to be like that's what heaven's going to be like so what are we even doing with Mm. marriage but Mm. but if we do that then we forget what god's even created we forget what he's called us into. And then what's the point of having a divine bridegroom? <laughs> right. Do you know where that's come from? Mm-hmm. That's come from, so there was a, a uh, I think actually St. Thomas talks about it in his Summa. Um, and he says that that uh, the celibate vocation is the higher vocation. Mm. And so then everyone takes Thomas, as per usual, out of context, and goes, ah, so therefore, celibacy is above marriage. And it's like that's 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 not what he said. No. That's not what he said. No. He said celibacy is the higher vocation. What sits behind his reasoning is this: the celibate deals specifically with the things of heaven. Mm-hmm. He's he's actually living. If you read scripture, he's living the next life yeah, in, in the, the now. Yeah. You know, that's the point where Jesus makes to Saint Peter when Peter says, "Well, what of us, Lord? What of us who've left house, wife, land, everything?" For you, you know, and legit question, yeah. you know, and and and, and Jesus goes, you will be rewarded a hundredfold in this life and in the next. He talks about how in the next life we will be like the angels, mm. right, worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And so, for 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 Saint Peter, serving God, being rewarded a hundredfold in this life is to be like the angels in this life, mm. to be serving God uh, wholly and entirely in this life and in the next, right. In this sense, Thomas calls it a higher vocation. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't then um, juxtapose it over and against marriage and say, therefore, marriage is lower. (laughs) Marriage is somehow more base than than that. No, no, no. no. (laughs) It's... it's, um, That's that's not the point. No. Uh, The the point is that that marriage, marriage is about the raising and leading of a family to heaven. Mm. You know, both vocations have the same yeah. vision at, 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 at the end. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're both incredibly different uh, and they both are actually in service of each other. Mm. 
they're not one against the other or one sitting on top of the other more as though it's as though other. it's more superior yeah, yeah. or something like that that is that is such a foreign notion to the christian life and such a destructive notion yes. to the christian life yes uh, to say that this is superior to that no 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 is it higher in the sense that it focuses on the things that are higher? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it is higher in that sense. Mm-hmm. Is it higher because it, it, it stands at a superior level? <laughs> and no, mm. no, that's not a helpful way of looking at it. Mm. So, so that's, that. Uh, I think, uh, an important mm. point. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and, and that, that, that does sort of just, just gently go into celibacy, which is that, you know, our Lord talks about eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Mm. You know, he talks about uh, celibacy as an authentic participation in the, nust- in the nuptial mystery, an authentic giving of self. Mm. Uh, that 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 is that that to participate in the nuptial mystery mm. does not mean that one must be married, mm. uh, because the life of a Christian is actually to be enveloped into a a, a, a covenant of marriage with the Lord, mm. uh, and so it's it's a different living of that, a a, a more intense living of that covenantal life. Mm. Yeah. And uh, finally, this leads us to chapter six. Yeah, it does. So in this particular chapter, one of the things that stands out to me is a follow-on from something in a previous episode, I think, that we talked a bit about, um, where Mary Healy points out that this isn't just about breaking a law when we sin, um, that it's actually going against a relationship that we're in. And so one of the things that jumped at me is this idea that holiness isn't just something that we do. Yeah. It's yeah. something that we actually receive. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which um, is really easy to fall into though. Like it's really yeah. easy to fall into thinking our faith is just something, it's just an action after one action after another. Mm. And I certainly see that my own pursuit of virtue and, you know, yep. something that we talk about at Virtue Ministry when we talk about, wanting to think more concretely about the ways that we can grow in virtue. There is a practical element to that. And so if we focus on the practical element and forget that we're first and foremost in relationship, we can often, we can go down that track of thinking, well, we just need a list of things to do to tick off a particular virtue. But virtue actually doesn't make any sense without (laughs) being in relationship to begin with. Um, Which is why at Virtue Ministry, and we were talking about this in a recent formation session that we had is that we are so deliberate in all of our talks and workshops not to separate the growth of virtue from relationship so we never talk about it like it's a self-help tool (laughs) like it's a a workshop of skills that you can just learn and then you have a virtue at the end of the day because it's not based on what you do it's based on the relationship that you are in that's right and, and, and pr- the proof is in the pudding there because we say that the person who possessed the, the virtues in the highest is Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. And he models all of those virtues from the cross. Yeah. He was, he came down to, to he, he became incarnate, became man, walked the earth, and yet, mysteriously, he was always in relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Always in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Why was why is is the, the the model of all these virtues? Because he never ceased that ultimate relational reality, and because mm-hmm. as a man he formed relationship with a community, with his mum, with his dad, mm-hmm. with the community mm-hmm. of Israel. He formed that commu- that that human community. Yeah. 
he's able to grow in virtue, humanly speaking. He's able to, to or he's able to, rather, he's able to embody all of those virtues, rather, yeah. uh, because he is, uh, he, he is in human relationship. Yeah. You know, and and because he has a divine relationship. Yes. You know, he has both these both these realities. Yeah. While they are distinct, we don't treat them as these separate realities right. that don't touch. Yeah. You know. Right. Right. And I guess that the point that Mary Healy's trying to make here, though, or certainly <laughs> what I'm trying to get at, though, is not not only that we are in relationship with someone passively, yeah. but that we're actually receiving. From yes. that relationship. Yes. We, we can't grow in virtue. We can't grow in holiness yeah. if we're not first in a posture of receptivity. Yeah, yeah. This is what John Paul II is on about. This, this, is, this is the theology of the body that, that, that never gets touched on, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it kind of gets reduced down to, okay, everyone, here's how you can have sex. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, he doesn't, he doesn't kind of have a section in there about no. that. Like, that's kind of not the point. Yeah. The point is, who is the human person? Who is he made for? What is he made for? He's made for relationship. What relationship? Relationship with God. Relationship with man. And that relationship looks a certain way. And it looks a certain way depending on what life you're called to. Yes. And how you're going to live that out. Yes. It's more about how one lives out authentically. They're, they're called to be a man as a husband or a father, or a priest, or a whatever, or a mother, or a, you know, like yeah, the, that's yeah, yeah. that's what it's fundamentally about. Yeah. That's the theology of the body. Yeah. Uh, a small portion of that then is well, what about human sexuality? Mm. You know, like like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. A, a, an essential portion of mm-hmm. that. But what the theology of the body does is that it takes sexuality and it actually says this is huge. Its sexuality is not limited then to the act of sex. Yes, it is so much more yeah. broad than that. Into who are we called to be as men and women? Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. And that's where I think Mary Healy does a great job of presenting the, the life of, of vocation and the life of virtue, uh, the life of holiness, sorry, uh, as not something that, that, that we just do, but something that springs from relationality, yeah. something that springs from the spousal mystery, yes. the, the, the giving mystery that is Christ and that we're called to imitate. Mm. I think that's awesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and this is where we also see that uh, marriage is a what we call a, a primordial sacrament. Mm. Sounds very fancy. It does. Uh, a primordial sacrament. In other words, primordial is like first in order. Yeah. Right. So so what John Paul II sees is that in the beginning, Adam and Eve had a kind of sacramental relationship. Mm-hmm, Why? Mm-hmm. Because they communicated grace to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, they 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 uh, were were sort of visible agents to one another of God's God's invisible vivifying grace, mm-hmm. and in this sense, the relationship they had can rightly be called a primordial sacrament, uh, and 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 that primordial sacrament is then sort of almost lived out throughout biblical salvation history, because what happens? Okay, there's this 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 relationship between Adam and Eve, which is first and foremost based on a relationship between God and man, yeah. and then that becomes shattered in the fall. And so what does God do? He's like, well, I'm not going to leave you here. 
I'm going to bring his back. Mm-hmm. And so he calls after their hearts. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want you back. And how does he call them back? He calls them back as an unfaithful bride. He's like, I want you back. Mm-hmm. He goes after them as a husband, as a groom goes after his bride with all the love that a groom would have for his bride. Uh, and so for this reason, we can say that, that the entirety of Christian history is a love story. I say to my seminarians, God is an incurable romantic. <laughs> yeah. um, so, He's uh, in no need of curing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Perfect Just romantic a perfect man. romantic, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so that, that, that brings us to the end of, of our second episode. Yes. Our truth being goodness, Padre. Yes. Uh, I have a, uh, a, a little resource for everyone to go to. Cool. Uh, we've talked about Eros today. Uh, so I'd like to point everyone to a book called Holy Eros by Adam Cooper, <laughs> uh, who we're not long to have. It's soon we'll have him on our, our, our podcast. Yes. Um, Adam, I was very fortunate to be taught by Adam. And uh, Adam is just this powerhouse of, of, um, of knowledge, really. And um, he writes a book called Holy Eros, which is all about the theology of the body in the context of the sacred liturgy. And it's really mm. interesting. Really interesting. A lot of this covenant stuff that we've spoken about today becomes really, really clear there. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So have a read and enjoy. Check that out. We might put that in the show notes for people to go. Please do. Have yeah. a look at. Yeah. And yourself, Sina. For me, it's been our prayer coordinator. Grace Morey and her husband Sam, they're expecting their first bub like any day now. Mm. <laughs> any day now, which is kind of really cool and really exciting. And yeah, it's just been wonderful to watch her grow from, you know, going from being a daughter to becoming a wife to yeah, yeah, yeah. now yeah. becoming a mother. It's been a beautiful transition. Yeah. And still being all of those things. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, we, we wish Grace every every blessing. Uh, and uh, say so welcome then yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely so that is the end of this week's episode next week's episode we will cover the last three chapters of this book study so that's chapters 7, 8 and 9 that will be the end of this series so make sure you come back next week but as always until next time all of our love and prayers God bless Thank you so much for joining us this week on Living Fullness. We hope that in this episode there was something useful or helpful or something that blessed your life. If that is the case, would you please consider sharing this podcast with someone, perhaps who will bless their lives too. Please also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so that others can find the podcast too. And join us over on our social media, Living Fullness on Instagram and Virtue Ministry on Facebook.